Local voices, local conversations. NapaBroadcasting.com Welcome back to NapaBroadcasting.com. Certainly if we talk about all the issues that are important to us in our community and here in the state of California, few rise to the importance and level of the subject of water. We're in the midst of a drought, and we're going to talk about the consequences of that, what it means for our local community, as I'm joined by Joy Eldridge and Pat Costello from the Napa Water Department. Thank you both for coming in. Thank you for having us. It's great to have you here, Joy. For start with you, to what extent is this something that your department is really focused on right now? To what extent is this something that really is of, of critical requirements in terms of what you have to do to deal with this today? Right. Well, it's it's uh, important for us to perform the outreach. Uh, first of all, we've been waiting for this is really coming down from the state level. Uh, we have been looking at our water supplies. And in fact, our supplies, as they are, are are solid. We are in a much better situation than almost any entity around the state. We have our two local reservoirs are full. And currently we have a 25 percent allocation from the state water project. Last year, for example, we had uh, our reservoirs were at lower levels. Lake Hennessy, our major reservoir, was more in the range of 70%, just below, and we had a 5% allocation. This year we're full and have a 25% allocation out of the state water project. Why are we in such good shape? Uh, good planning through the years is, is a big part of it. With respect to water supplies, we've strived hard to ensure that we have reliability and redundancy within our within our system and within our supplies. And another key factor is that we have been investing in and working with our customers to educate about conservation for more than a decade now. And so that's kept our demands down and kept several hundred acre feet per year uh, available to our supplies. Is there a danger as you talk about this and get the word out there and about what we have, is there a danger people will not conserve enough because they'll feel things are in such good shape? Well, we want to caution against that. Um, our One thing we heard just recently, I think, is, is important for people to understand. We want to be between complacency and panic. <laughs> so that's our key. Complacency isn't proper either. Even if we're sitting on full reservoirs and 100% allocation, it's really about being efficient and using this important resource wisely. What are the economic consequences of this in terms of people hearing about water rates going up, the various fines if people don't cut back. How will all that be dealt with, either one of you? Uh, well, with respect to uh, rates, we have we are coming to the end of a five-year um, look at our rates, and we've been under a program that looks gears us towards getting 20% reduction of our demands by the year 2020. So we have made assumptions to get in that to move in that direction. Uh, this short-term drought, or four-year, but uh, short-term period, has put us ahead of the curve on that. So the assumptions that we made that were conservative were even our revenues coming in even below that. Uh, at this point, because of those uh, assumptions that we made and the path we've been on, we're not way out of whack, but it, it definitely does uh, affect our revenue. And really what it will impact is we'll have to delay other capital projects and investments that we need to make that are critical for the infrastructure. So at this point, we I intend to just absorb uh, the losses that we have from the last two years and just look forward to getting back to normal years. What are the responsibilities that we have to the state at this point? What is the state looking at Napa 
with respect to our conservation and our needs and our resources that we do have. Mm-hmm. Well, what they're looking at is really statewide. And so what the governor's executive order called for was 25% statewide. Since then, uh, many entities have written letters and pointed out the the very different situations amongst municipal suppliers. Whether you're in an area that's predominantly foggy with little irrigation, your, your uses are already low, and you don't have a whole lot of room for reducing those demands if you've mm-hmm. made investments for the years. And there's other areas where you know, different situations may occur. They may not have made investments through the years, and they may have a lot more irrigation requirements just because of their climactic differences. So what they've done after seeking input, they've really broken each area up into different tiers uh, based on what you've done in the past and based on how easy or hard it is for you to make those reductions. And so at this point for the city of Napa, we are in the tier that's uh, requiring a 20% reduction in demands. Now what's, what's key about this, it's from the period from June through February this year, um, 2015 through February 2016, but relative to those same months in 2013. So it's not last what year, happened 2014. To yeah. It's 2013. They started to gather data, but they're looking at 2013 as a baseline year. So this is doubly yeah, I mean, confusing. It's very yeah, specific. So yeah, 2013 evolved to become the base year. They were originally looking at a three-year average between 2011 and 2013. But somehow 2013 became the comparison year. It was the driest year in recorded history in uh, most of California. So it was a higher water use year. So as a baseline, you should have an easier time coming down from that than from you know a, a more typical year. Uh, but yeah, as Joey pointed out, it's very specific. It's this nine-month period coming up. And leading into that, we've... Um, Napa's responded, you know, back in 2014, we had the lowest water use in 20 years. And starting in the first few months of 2015, we're on a pace to be lower than 2014. So people have responded. And uh, April, for example, the month we're in now, just ending, will probably be down about 22% compared to April of 2013. So I think people are showing restraint on irrigation. uh, But the irrigation, uh, particularly lawns, and large landscapes will be a prime target of savings because it is um, that's where the water is, you know, especially in the, in the peak summer. So we'll be really focused on that. And keep in mind, before the governor's executive order, the state water board has had a number of uh, regulations that have kicked in that require us to enforce some uh, what are called water waste prohibitions. And several of them deal with irrigation, but there are also things like no watering, uh, cleaning driveways and sidewalks with drinking water. and But there, locally, we have no irrigation 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. because it evaporates so easily then. And um, no excessive runoff. You know, we're running too many minutes with sprinklers. It runs off down the mm-hmm. gutter. And um, we'll be adding, um, coming up to address the recent regulations uh, at days restriction so it won't be just unlimited you can water any any every day of the week we'll start off with a probably with a more mild uh, no watering on consecutive days essentially meaning you three four day a week and we're planning to have a trigger that if we're not meeting the target for that june through february in the governor's order the savings target will 
have the ability to just automatically kick in with a stricter days you know, per week, less days per week. Mm-hmm. But outreach um, and and um, greater enforcement of these water waste prohibitions will be very important. And we fortunately have a new water conservation specialist starting in May who's got great experience with irrigation and um, we'll be able to help people out with that quite a bit. How is any of this enforceable? Well, we have a penalty. Uh, yeah, we on the worked water it bill. into mm-hmm. our um, ordinance that we passed last year when mm-hmm. we had the first order come down from the state. And essentially, it would be, um, as, as we like to say, our, first of all, our main goal is to stop the waste. And so we reach out to people, and we'll, once we get a report, we have a database started about a certain you know address or something of that mm-hmm. nature. We'll touch base with those people. Nine times out of ten, people weren't aware that it was happening, right. and they're happy to make a change. Not That probably won't be the case for all instances. <laughs> um, and so what, what we've set up, established, is progressive. And so if we reach out to the people and they don't make a change, we'll give them a time period, several weeks, to make the, make the change. If they don't, then they'll get a written letter stating, hey, Here's your warning. Um, and then moving progressively to a $100 fine. If they still don't make a change, a $200 fine. If they still refuse, and then we've got a problem, it will go to the maximum that's allowed, which is a $500 fine. Mm-hmm. So we like to say if someone has gotten themselves a $500 fine, they've earned it. Right. <laughs> Talk a little bit about the monitoring of water use. We actually have... Uh, we're we're in the transition period of installing uh, more automated. Mm-hmm. We're not quite at the point just as PG&E and they have their smart right. meters. We right. don't have that at this point uh, within our system. We have about two thirds of the system with some automated um, transmitters, mm-hmm. and at this point, we don't have a place uh, for that data or for people to access that data. But that's definitely in our our future pl- plans. It comes along with um, installing a new billing system, and we're. We've got multiple systems that don't have the ability to share that information and, and put it out to the people real time at this point. But How are we able coming. then to monitor individual use, I mean, relative to the restrictions and the things we were just talking about? How can you monitor that then on an ongoing basis? Well, we'll clarify. The um, Some people have mistakenly assumed that the governor's order sort of applied to individual water accounts and that they were asked to save 25% compared to last year. And we've had some customers come in who hardly use any water, you know, two units in a billing period. And they're like, how can I possibly do this? But the order is directed at us, the agency, the whole community, and how we achieve the 20% or whatever tier we end up in, however we achieve the savings is, is up to us. So we won't be doing uh, individual account, you have to save X you know, versus mm-hmm. the previous year. It's going to be really capitalizing on uh, this time, June through February time period compared to 2013. Last June, June through February, just ended a couple months ago, uh, we, we were down 10%, but we know that we would really have been down 12 or 13% if the earthquake hadn't occurred because mm-hmm. that was a significant amount of total water production that just went out right. in the streets. So if we're 12 or 13% and we need to get to 20 we believe that increment can be obtained by people simil- behaving similar last year and, and us getting um, more attention to the peak lawn watering season, getting people to kick it down a notch, and 
uh, more intense frequent outreach on these on that issue and also uh, we're going after um, not going after that sounds harsh but we're we're going to reach out to our large landscape customers commercial institutional uh, to really try to get some savings there and our parks and rec is on their own you know they prioritize the watering of parks um, they're all deficit irrigating and some of them they're off completely and they're just prioritizing based on the how much foot traffic is in them so to set the example there uh, but we'll be working with other you know, homeowners associations and um, some of the large plots of turf you see in commercial mm-hmm. sites and some of them get reported in our our water waste reporting from citizens and that's an opportunity for us to have that talk with them and it's it's sometimes difficult to get to the irrigation manager person responsible but these penalties for the actual prohibitions which are specific wasting activities they'll be um, on the water account holder so the customer on the water account will be liable for them because we would apply it to the water bill so that would get the attention of the of the customer and and uh, and if people keep repeating the violation as Joy said if they escalate to 500 it's 500 per violation after that per day like if it keeps happening they can keep getting socked and if someone doesn't pay their water bill and all the fees associated with it uh, eventually can lead to red tag which shut is off. leading right. to shut off so there is That'd that 100% ulti- reduction <laughs> there is there is that ultimate authority on on that end um, so but we haven't had a penalty on anyone yet but we're increased pressure from the state we have to report our water waste complaints every month now and we've had about 150 uh, since last July and um, most are irrigation runoff but a lot are driveway sidewalk washing and a lot of it was before people knew that these were against state law and so, you know, we don't find them right off the bat if, you know, they didn't even know. So, but once they know, then they're liable for warning 100, 200, 500. So more enforcement this year is probably a com- big component of what we have to do. Mm-hmm. How does it break down in Napa between commercial use and residential use? What is the breakdown? Uh, well, residential is about uh, almost two-thirds, uh, 65%. In some years in the past, it was close to 70%. And we've got um, commercial, I think, is 15, because then there's a whole category that's large landscape. It's Mm -hmm. dedicated landscape meters, and that can be institutional. um, But commercial alone, I think, is 15 to 20. And the same obligations exist for commercial clients to reduce by 20%? Well, it's a community reduction of twenty percent. Right, we're going to we're going to tackle the commercial sector more than we did last year. So we're going to try to get some more savings out of that because they have a lot of the large landscapes that probably are more likely to be kept super green because the gardener, um, you know, just keeps it that way. But we're we're going to get message to the gardeners and to their clients hit both ends, and uh, we we get people contacting us, so they're in the just proactive side who want to do the right thing. So we think most are, you know, we don't think we'll have a big battle. Uh, the awareness is so dramatic of the mm-hmm. snowpack being at 5%. And uh, we don't think we'll encounter people that are like, no, I'm triple watering my lawn because it's got to be super green on the commercial side, you know, yeah. in front of a car dealership, 
Uh, particularly over the last it. few weeks, we've had quite a few HOAs reaching out to us proactively, asking, mm-hmm. "Hey, what what do we need to do? What can we do?" And so that's great. You know, and what do you tell them when um, when they call uh, we'll you? We'll go out and ensure. So. One, with respect to the, the data, as you say, um, and a gentleman I was speaking with yesterday, and I asked him if he knew where all their meters were. And so that's one of the things. Say, hey, you can lift up your meter box and read that, write it down. You know, if you're going to be proactively managing this, you can read it, see where you are, check in weekly, biweekly, mm-hmm. monthly. There's a there's always a dial on every meter. Even if it's got the automated aspect, there is still a dial on it. And so you can just lift the meter and check uh, what your status is. Um, at any point and so and people can do that at home as well right yeah right. it's not as convenient as punching it up on the internet or but right. we will get there someday right. um but we i queen of the valley um they're in a water conservation plan mode and i just sent data for all their accounts to the person leading that effort that came down from the california hospital association so it's not the city alone that's driving the activity people in industries are getting it from there and organizations and uh, you know we're here to assist but we'll also be out there um, helping them figure out how to meet all these prohibitions you know don't water too many days and the minutes reduction to avoid the runoff and if you reduce the minutes just doing that you're obviously reducing the water you're putting out and you're avoiding possible penalty that we would assess. And and some of the big commercial sites are so visible that we'll hear about egregious uses of water from them. And, and um, you know, we'll, we'll be communicating directly and finding the person who can make the change. You know, sometimes that's the hard part with the commercial. Whereas right. residential, it's easy. You know, What about the golf course, which is a city-owned piece of property? It's actually on recycled water, and it has been for years. As as is the entire area of the corporate park, mm-hmm. uh, they have signs they are making. To we've taken several calls. Uh, I'm not sure if they've been installed. I know we've looked at they the signs. They designed them. I don't know if they're up yet. Right. We've all looked at them. Said they look great. And so there will be signs posted, uh, if not already in the very near future, touting the fact that hey, that's reclaimed water. It's really not a, a part of this this ordinance as right. required. What about agricultural property that's inside the city? We have some. I don't know how much. There's not Stanley. a whole lot of ag left um, inside. Stanley Ranch is uh, one, and they are slated for recycled water. In fact, mm-hmm. as the line moves out to right. Carneros, they are part of that. And yeah, they'll be so totally there. off our system. Um, and then the interruptible ag, um, there's a handful of them representing, like, about 2% of our mm-hmm. demand. Um, so we are, based on our supply situation, we're not um, cutting them off under their contracts, but we're going to ask them to use less than 2013, um, a certain allocation that's reduced from their 2013 use, like 25% less. Matching Ass- the Assuming that we achieve all these goals, the 20% reduction that we've been talking about, and given what the supply is right now, it seems that we will have an abundance compared to a lot of other communities. Are we going to be in the business of selling some of that water to neighboring communities? We'll have to look at that on a case-by-case basis. Uh, I could say, yes, we are, you know, we. I project that we'll be in the mid to high 80% even at the end of this year with our Hennessy Reservoir. Uh, the one thing of concern is the state water project, and this is really a, a big driver for the state to be 
coming down with this mandate statewide of 25%. This is an unprecedented year for the snowpack to be as low as it is. And that's an often uh, unrealized reservoir that, that really affects the state. So it's at 5% this year. Even in the 76-77 time period, last very, very major drought, the lowest it was was 25%. Last year it was at 25%, you know, equal to that previous drought, and now it's at 5%. So that's really uh, the one big indicator that I think everyone's watching statewide as far as robustness of water supplies. Right. I mean, thinking about neighboring communities, American Canyon comes most immediately to mind because they rely solely on the state water project, don't they? Uh, they do. I know they've reported recently they they do feel they are okay for this year. Um, so we we had had an agreement set up with them last year for an option um, mm-hmm. for an increment of water. And I could say to the Napa customers out there, uh, uh, the terms of that agreement were set up such that if we were in a in a state where we knew we were going to be low on supplies, we we set a trigger to that. Um, agreement where we would take cash if we knew our supplies were robust, or they would have to replace the water with water, in which case they would have been forced to buy that water on the market price, which mm-hmm. last year everyone knew the price was still going to be higher if it was such a dry year. So we were in a make-whole situation. We were either going to have cash for water that we knew we could afford to sell, or we were going to get that water replaced. In the end, um, they were able to make their supplies work and didn't want to you know, take on the risk to uh, make that purchase. So, How many areas in the state are in as good a shape as Napa is at the moment? I mean, obviously, there must be some other cities or counties or municipalities that are in equally as, as good a shape. How many are there? Are we really in, in rarefied atmosphere here? Well, I would say that the North Bay, um, because of the storm track and the December storm, in the early February, Marin basically filled all their reservoirs. Um, Sonoma County did well. So the, the whole north, north swath. Um, and then all the way north. And way north. Um, mm-hmm. towards, you know, towards the Oregon border. They are flush as well. Um, well, we, than, well, we yeah. can't say we're flush because the state water project being, with the snowpack being so low, um, we can't be complacent because of that factor. Uh, whereas Marin is kind of a normal year, and they're—I mean—they have to meet these savings requirements, and they—and they will, I assume. But yeah, with um, respect to local reservoirs, everyone's on this west and north bay right. side pretty much has has seen a, a typical or normal recharge. It just came in a weird pattern where it all came in a slug in December instead right. of being over more multiple storms. But we we benefited greatly from that pattern this year. And finally, as people look at their individual situations, is there a concern that people that have been conserving, people that have been really on top of this for the past year or two, really will be penalized in some way because they're not going to be able to cut back as much? So that's no. that's a notion that we we're really trying that. to dispel that because that's that's they're really not the target. People that have been doing the right thing, great job. Keep doing what you're it's doing. Keep keep saving. Like the the Save Our Water campaign we partner with mm-hmm. is their slogan is "Keep Saving California." And and it's those people that we want to keep doing what they're doing uh, this year. And our target is remember is not individual water counts to say you have to save twenty percent. So we won't be doing that uh, to them. 
So we really want to capture more of the savings from people who were more oblivious last year or, mm-hmm. and will be more active this year in our, our outreach. We'll have more staff time to do it and um, to, in order to meet this requirement from the state. But no, those people are keep it up, but not you're not going to be penalized um, for for previous savings. That's not how any even if it escalated in the future to a, a more significant stage shortages, we wouldn't do it by um, making people save a percentage versus their historical. Because that, that was an old way of doing it, and it wasn't fair for the reasons right. that you Right, and also you couldn't control for individual circumstance, an additional person in the house, somebody leaving the house, or exactly. whatever the situation right. You have to be. factor those in and have an allocation for basic household use, and you have to factor in the number of people. So as we develop three stage three, four, and five, we'll have to modernize them for next year's urban water management plan update that's required every five years. We, w- we will be doing that instead of a percentage reduction from historical. Joy, before I let you go, the state requirements, the state rules, seem, they seem to be changing every day. We hear different things or we read different things from, that the state is doing every day, different things that the governor has indicated. Is there any confusion at this point about what the state wants and when they want it? We think we have it all in focus now. The last directive they came out, according to their schedule, was to come out April 28th, which we did receive on Tuesday. And they will adopt, there, there could be some changes up to the end. The board will actually adopt it, and their date is the 5th or the 6th. So by next week, the official language will be adopted. But as everything we have right now, we're pretty comfortable, is, is going to be you know, any changes would be minor tweaks, and so mm-hmm. we, we feel like what we have with our 20% goal will be what remains for us for this year. Joy Eldridge, Pat Costello, I thank you both for coming in. Thank you, thank sir. You. You're listening to NapperBroadcasting.com.